This is Kristen Smith, and you're listening to the Destination Begin podcast. Welcome to the episode. I'm so happy you're here. I'm sitting here with a guest, which is very exciting. Last time I had a guest on the podcast was back in January, and that episode is my second most popular episode, so I guess that should tell me something that you guys like Randy more than you like me, which is fine because I like Randy more than I like me most days. So welcome to the podcast, Randy. Thanks. We are here to talk about more fun stuff like we did last time. We talked about 75 Hard together, and he's back because we have stepped into the Live Hard program, which is an extension of 75 Hard. So if you're not familiar with 75 Hard, it is a personal toughness, personal accountability, mental toughness uh, challenge. Andy Frisella, who is the CEO and founder of First Form, as well as the awesome dude in charge of the MFCEO product project podcast. That's a mouthful. Can you say MFCEO project podcast really fast? No. No. Well, neither could I. Anyway, uh, that podcast is the number one entrepreneurial podcast and it's recently changed to Real AF with Andy Frisella and remains incredibly popular. And so on that podcast, he was just talking about how he had put together a challenge for himself to lose weight and to be more consistent with his diet and exercise. And it turned into a phenomenon called 75 Hard. And 75 Hard is just 75 straight days of two workouts a day. One of them has to be outside and they both have to be 45 minutes. Um, 10 pages of personal development reading every day, a gallon of water every single day, um, sticking to a diet with zero cheats, um, and then no alcohol. So the caveat is if you screw up one thing, you have to start over completely at day one. Also, the progress picture. You have to take a picture every day, and that's a small detail compared to 90 minutes of working out, but that seems to be where people trip up. So it's a really perfect challenge because you got big stuff, and little stuff. And you really have to be mindful of checking those big boxes and also paying attention to the details. So he put this challenge out there and people responded and um, people all over the world started to complete the 75 days and it was life-changing, physique-changing, outlook-changing for so many people, including us. But the question after 75 hard to Andy Frisella was, what's next? What, what do you got for us? This was life-changing. We want something more. So he created the Live Hard program, 75 Hard being kind of the boot camp. And then the remainder of the calendar year, you complete three phases that are each 30 days in length. So neither one of us intended to do the Live Hard program simply because A, 75 Hard was great and we just thought we would do that again at some point in the next year. And uh, Minnesota winters stink. Neither of us are big fans of working out outside in the winter, so it was not on our list of things to do um, in the wintertime in Minnesota. So we both kind of fell into it by accident. I had been doing a personal challenge called Winter 100 where I was kind of following the 75 hard format, working out 100 minutes a day, drinking 100 ounces of water, and doing all of those things inside. And Randy basically stuck to the 75 hard everything as well. Um, the discipline of the program really stuck. So I don't know. We didn't really feel like there was a huge need for it, but we thought, well, we would just do 75 hard again and call it a day. So uh, Randy stumbled into it first. How did that happen, Rand? Yeah, so so I had no intention of starting phase one, um, but I was still doing my – Kentucky rotation for work where, you know, I fly down on Mondays and then fly back for the weekends. And there was, you know, there were coworkers down there that you associate with and they knew that I'd done the program in the past, a 75 hard program. And, um, one of them had been, you know, listening to Jocko and Andy and, and, a different, you know, different podcasts that are pretty motivational. And finally he goes, you know, I think I'm going to do 75 hard. And I thought, Oh geez, well, here's, this is great. You know, somebody else is going to do it. So I said, I'll tell you what, if you start 75 hard today, I'll start phase one today, and then we can do it together. And he goes, okay, deal. And so that was a, an impulsive thing. Didn't pack for it on that trip. So, you know, you just kind of 
layer up all the clothes you have and do your outside workouts and kind of suffer through the first day or so until you can go shopping and get appropriate clothing. But uh, it was funny the next day, um, I go, so you know, how'd it go? He goes, oh, I, I screwed something up. I, I can't remember what it was. And I go, okay, well, it's okay. Just start just day one today. He's okay, okay. And then uh, next day, so how'd it go? And he, oh, I screwed something up. And I was like, what the heck, man? So it was like three, probably three or four days of, oh, you know, I, I screwed something up. I'm starting over. After like the fourth day, he goes, oh, I'm just not going to do it. And so it's like, all right, well, I guess I'm doing it anyways. And I, I told it. you to quit. Yeah, but yeah, but I was like, you know, no, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. And so that's kind of how it went for me. But that it was, uh, it was tough as far as being in February. That is not a fun time to be doing outside workouts in Minnesota. And Kentucky is not as bad as Minnesota, but um, it's still in the teens and 20s, maybe in the morning. So it was a little, it was a little challenging at times. Yep. Yeah. And I kind of fell into it sort of the same way. I have a friend who, um, I've known for a long time through the gym who has started and quit different challenges before and finally decided, Hey, I'm going to do 75 hard. And I was so excited for her because I knew this would be something really powerful for her. So I said, you know what? I'll do it with you. So I told Rand, I'm going to start 75 hard again. And the reason I had done the winter 100 version, um, was because I'm asthmatic and working out outside or being out in the cold is really hard on my asthma. And so I didn't think it was something I could do. Not only did I not want to, but I didn't think it would be something that I should or could do. And so when I committed to doing 75 hard with her, I thought, oh no, but you know, it's Minnesota. It's how bad can it be? Our motto is it's not that bad. <laughs> and so I thought, well, we'll just do one day at a time. And yeah. the kicker for me was I had a 10 day trip to Miami planned very soon. And so I knew if I could just get to that point, I'd have a chunk of the time would be in Miami. And then I'm like, I'll just book some more trips to the South and I'll spend as much of the 75 days outside of Minnesota. I'll go down to Louisville. I'll go see Rand. It'll be fine. So I kind of stumbled into it as well. And those walks, um, I just did the walking because A, of my asthma and B, you don't want to run on slippery streets in wintertime. At least I don't. I have a hard time not falling down on dry pavement, much less wet and slippery pavement. So it just basically involved doing a 45-minute walk out in the cold every day. And that was an element of mental toughness that was never required of me on 75 hard. So because of that, it was incredibly difficult and something that I, it was just a lot harder than 75 hard for sure. And then I went to Miami for my trip and it was no big deal at all down there to get my workouts in. But then I forgot my progress picture and, uh, was like, Oh great. I'm going to have to start over. And so I told Randy and he said, Hey, why don't you just start phase one? I, you know, he was maybe 10 days into it. And so I thought, oh, that's a good idea. Instead of starting over with 75 more days, I'll just do phase one. And by that time, I was used to walking outside. So I thought, how bad can a cold shower be? Boy, was I wrong. So all of that to say, we both started in February. Neither one of us planned on it, but there we were. Mm -hmm. So the outside workouts were, were really tough um, in Minnesota. Um, you learned really quickly. It's better to be overdressed than underdressed. I learned really quickly um, how heavy snow boots are when you're walking for 45 minutes and how important wool socks are and how quickly your snot freezes on the outside of your nose. And, <laughs> um, and I also learned that Louisville, because I went and visited Randy, is a little warmer than Minnesota, but it has a whole other set of weather challenges. Like it was windy. Oh, yeah. The wind's pretty bad. And yeah, cold. Sure. It wasn't. You have higher humidity, so yeah. perceived cold is there. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, it's no slouch down there, but Minnesota's pretty bad. It's miserable up here. And you still do your cardio. You know, do like the legit, we'll say legit cardio um, on a treadmill or something like that in the gym. And the outside workout, I hate to call it a formality, but that's kind of what it was. Because like seriously, with the, with the snow and the ice on the sidewalk, you damn near kill yourself. You know, <laughs> As far yeah. as running on that, especially in the morning when it's dark. So anyways, it's, yeah, we had to be kind of careful with that. But Yeah, and I like to do my walks with my dog. And it was so cold, his little feet would freeze. And so I couldn't bring him. And so it was really sad. Um, so some of those walks really sucked. But 
you know, it's like you get up and you just decide you're going to go do this. It's only 45 minutes. You put on a good podcast, you bundle up and you just suck it up. And the coldest day that I ever had to walk outside, it was minus seven and uh, my toes definitely froze. But that was kind of good because on days it was zero or 10, um, it was like, oh, it's warm. It's not minus seven. And so that bar was set and everything else felt very doable once I knew how to navigate that. So just a little life lesson that with the right gear and preparedness, you can kind of suffer through anything. And that was the thing too, with 75 hard, you learned that there, there are no excuses anymore. So finishing it wasn't even a question in my opinion, unless you forgot something. And I think for me, the hardest part of phase one was the cold shower. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah. Gosh, so, you con- so, so the requirements of phase one are the same as 75 hard. Plus you have to do 10 minutes of visualization. So sit down and get quiet, close your eyes and visualize, actively visualize whatever you want, I guess, um, for 10 minutes. You also have to take a five minute cold shower and you have to make a list of power list items that you must complete every single day. So we're going to talk about those in a minute, but we're going to run through kind of the the parts of this phase one that were the same as 75 hard, because at least for me, phase one was different than 75 hard, even though there were some of the same requirements. So we already talked about the outside workouts. Um, the inside workouts were no big deal. I mean, we obviously... That's- yeah, the standard daily stuff. Yeah, yep. he and I are are one of the we're those people that we work out every day no matter what. So, not to sound like it was no problem, but that part was not. I mean, that part wasn't hard. Um, and then we had, had to drink a gallon of water every day, which I felt was a lot harder. I drink a lot of water, but when you're not hot and sweaty, when you're just doing your normal day, I had a really hard time getting that water in versus. Right now, when I just go outside and go for a walk, I'm naturally thirsty, I'm sweating, I'm drinking more. So winter water consumption was really a big challenge for me. And Rand, did you have that experience? Um, Getting a gallon wasn't too bad, but it didn't happen quite as quickly as in the summer, I'll say. Yeah. Yep. So, but I agreed in general. Yep. And our diets were basically the same we had kind of cleaned up our diet with 75 hard and neither mm. one of us really deviated at Christmas time. We went on, you know, family trip. We ate a lot of stuff, but for the most part, our 75 diet, 75 hard diet stuck. And on my winter 100 program, I was not eating any sugar. I wasn't eating any gluten, um, really minimizing the carbs. And so sticking to the diet piece was also not super hard. It was hard when I was in Miami on my trip, um, not to eat things, you know, when you travel, that's hard, but ultimately sticking to the diet was, was not too hard either. Yeah. I think, uh, on 75 hard, I got pretty lean and, and I actually kind of got a little bit under underweight that was sustainable. So I started hitting uh, the sweet potatoes and rice a little heavy, right? I think I kind of overdid it a little bit after 75 hard. So I kind of, I was doing like a, kind of a paleo diet. I was kind of giving that a try for a while and was going a little heavy on the almond butter and the sweet potatoes. So I think I got a little soft. Um, it's hard not to. Yeah. But, but you figure it out. I mean, you, you do that and you go, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta tighten it up again. You know? So anyway. yeah, it's this one, that's one good point on this. Um, when you set a diet, it's totally possible to overeat healthy food. And absolutely, if you really aren't picking up on the intent of this type of a program, you could easily gain weight during during mm-hmm. during a diet like that. I mean, I could pound healthy food way more often than I need to and end up not having any physical results. So um, I think in the wintertime, especially here, it's just hard. You're you're more, more sedentary during the day. You're cold. Um, the instinct is to eat a little more for entertainment maybe and for warmth. So luckily we had the bad stuff out of our diet, but um, – it was definitely a different ball game than a summertime 75 hard. So um, mm-hmm. the other requirement of no alcohol, we don't really drink. So the, so I used to drink beer, like a, I say, and I mean this literally, a beer or two on occasion or maybe a glass of wine, I don't know, once or twice a week, something like that. But after 75 hard and 
and finding I saw, I saw a trend where consuming alcohol would like we'll say like knocks down your inhibitions and and um and reduces the edge of your um of your discipline and i found that when i drank i would that's when i would eat things or eat more than i should i'm just speaking for myself oh me too yeah and so um i basically cut alcohol out completely i might have i mean I would say in the last year, because we, I mean, we're on, you know, almost done with phase three now, but I would say over the course of the year, I've maybe had three beers. Well, maybe. we had, we shared a bottle of wine, I think the day before, or the day after we were done with phase one. Yeah. That was kind of our treat, mm -hmm. which was really fun because in the time that we've known each other, mm -hmm. we, we were doing 75 hard, um, or something similar. And so alcohol is just something we've not really done together and it's not been a big part of our relationship. So it was kind of fun to have a glass of wine with you and go, yeah. Oh, here we go. It was really fun. But yeah, but, it, not, but overall though, it does nothing to meet the goals. And so it's just one of those things that it's now a very special occasion thing. And I think a lot yep. of people who do this program in 75 hard, that's the kicker. That's the part that's hard for them. I know when I did 75 hard or we did 75 hard with some mutual friends, mm -hmm. that was one of the biggest struggles initially, not during the program, but to decide to do it. They couldn't imagine not having alcohol. And those same people reported back afterwards that it was one of the most beneficial parts of the whole challenge because they learned how to go out and have fun without drinking. They learned how to celebrate events without drinking and just learned that they enjoyed feeling more clear headed and not having hangovers and, and just found other ways to have fun or to cope or to de-stress. And, um, from my experience of my friends that have done it, that were regular routine social drinkers, it's been really revolutionary for them. So if you're considering doing any of these programs or any parts of this program, um, don't let that deter you. You can do anything for 75 days. You can do anything for 30 days. And, uh, I think you can be really surprised at what it means for your life to take something out and just observe the difference. So for us, luckily, uh, we, we, st I struggle with donuts more than I struggle with alcohol though. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, so the progress picture, that's a daily progress picture. Um, it's really the part of all of this, this that I hate the most because it's such a tiny thing. It's so easy to forget. And I will lay down in bed and go oh, and wonder if I took the picture. Um, if I don't get it done first thing in the morning, it just stresses me out. And that's the times that I've screwed up on the, the program. So I hate the progress picture, but it's that little detail. That's really important. Yeah. The progress picture stresses me out the most also. Like I have a checklist, you know, your reminder list on your phone and even though it's checked off, I never trust it. And I always go back and make sure there's a picture every day because I'm not going to let something that simple get me, you know? So. Well, my friend, my friend Amanda is the one who got this 75 hard program into, into my world where I knew about it. And she started it early last spring, I think March or April. And, um, it was in the summer on day 56 or 57 for her that she forgot to take a progress picture. And she had to start over and it was devastating for her to start over. And, um, but she did, she's like, who am I lying to? You know, I'm only lying to myself if I cheat this out. And so recently we were, uh, at her house and her daughter came over and said, Hey mom, do you remember that time you forgot to take your picture and you had to start over on 75 hard? And we had a good laugh because, she will never forget the feeling of waking up and realizing, oh, I never took my picture. So it's, it's, a, it's an important element to these programs to say you have to do the big stuff and you got to remember the little stuff. So um, reading, the 10 pages of personal development reading that was from 75 Hard was also in um, phase one. This is uh, the part that I really love, I think, the most. I love to read and I just don't always make time to do it. I love to read and learn and I like having an intention and a purpose and a reason to do it all the time. So um, this time around I read kind of a different category of book. The first book that I read was called The Art of Loving and um, it's a book from 1956 and I thought it was really interesting how the observations about the idea of love as it relates to our culture and relationships and human beings 
you know, 1956 is what, 65 years ago. And yet still relevant, still interesting. I would always say that I'm a very loving person and that I love really well. But reading this book, it really challenged me to understand what love is and more importantly, what love is not. It's kind of like when you study psychology, they don't really teach you what's normal. They show you examples of what's abnormal so that you can identify abnormal and everything else is just considered normal. And that's kind of what this book was like. It was all the ways that we make love selfish, all the ways that we misunderstand love, all the ways that we make love dangerous or unhealthy. And so really, really interesting book. I loved it. And then I also read a book called Spinster, which I just got at a half price books. And um, it was written by a single woman, a writer who has just, she did a, a little dig into some famous women in the past who were literary greats who chose to never get married. And most of them ended up getting married. But they were very staunch in their position that they would never get married. And then just exploring all the reasons why they did and why most of those marriages did not work out. And then, of course, this author's personal experience with being a single woman and all the relationships that she's been in. And so it was really interesting and a, a different type of personal development reading as far as it wasn't entrepreneurial or time management, but more for me matters of my heart and my behavior and my perspectives um, on my own relationships and how I treat people and how I treat myself. So I really loved the reading on phase one. Yeah, the reading, I'll say the reading and um, I know the podcast don't count for anything, but I also, in addition, I listen to the podcast quite a bit and uh, yeah, for mindset, I think as mentioned on 75 Hard, we're very critical. Um, and I, I typically read like Jocko's books. I think I read um, I think the Mattis book, uh, Call Sign Chaos. So I kind of like, I go more for the uh, leadership style books because that's kind of where I'm trying to refine things. So it's very, um, Randy and I have done these things concurrently, but it's very interesting to just see how we approach the same elements very differently. Mm -hmm. If you look at our reading stack, I'm fluff. He's war. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So I tried to get him to read my books. Like I had him read a Brene Brene Brown. Yeah, I just, it didn't stick. Nope. Yeah. Wasn't having it. Wasn't there for it. I think you listened to a Jocko podcast once and you said this is Nope, not here for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm not uh, I'm not into it. But you yeah. know, that's why uh that's why God made Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. So so those were all requirements that we were used to, but um as we touched on earlier, the, there was three new ones. <laughs> Sorry, that was Randy's phone. I'm not editing that out. Um so visualization. The idea of visualization is to really sit down and think about what you want. And then envision it happening. So not just envisioning having the job that you want, but envisioning walking into that office. What is the desk going to look like? What is your chair going to feel like when you sit down? What is the hand rest going to feel like? What is going to be out the window? That type of a thing. To really put yourself in that reality of what it is that you want. And I found this very hard because A, I'd fall asleep. And B, I I had a hard time imagining more scenarios that I wanted to be in. I'm, I, I very much know what I want for my future. And so trying to think of new things to visualize was really hard for me. I didn't particularly enjoy it. I am much more of a think of it, make a list and go do it person. And so just sitting in imagining it was really hard for me. I did it. Um, it was a good exercise for me, but, um, it wasn't as revolutionary to my life as I thought that it would be. Agreed. So, in th- yeah, in summary, I agree with you. Um, for for me, the visualization, um, I, th- I think I met the intent of what Andy wanted to happen on that, but it wasn't a particularly powerful task for me. Um, I think my philosophy right now due to, um, I'll say, let's go back a little bit. So, I'm, I find that if I look at the my plans that I've had throughout my life and, and I look at where I'm at, you can you can plan an awful lot and, and a lot of things don't happen the way you think they're going to happen. So, and in 
uh, reading some pretty smart authors. I kind of, I kind of do more of the uh, prepare yourself, your mind and body, the best you can, such that when the opportunity comes up that you don't know what's coming, um, you're able to seize that and be ready for it. And so, so the visualization, visualization. I don't know. I can't predict the opportunities that are coming. All I can do is prepare. And so I, I couldn't tell you what my goal is. My goal is just to sharpen your edge as much as you can every day and take the opportunities. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. I think when I'm just trying to remember the things I visualized, I thought the one thing that was interesting to me was when I would visualize a setting or a thing happening, I, I would see people there. So it was, it was indicative of who I really value is something that I learned about myself. When I would picture myself getting into a car, who was in that car? Or getting off of a stage, who was waiting for me? Or who was in an audience? Or who was in a business meeting that I was envisioning wanting to have? And so that that for me was a little bit of a of a insight into who I value. And you know, I'm more of a people-oriented person, so maybe that's why I see those things. But that that was powerful for me to say, if I'm experiencing this successful thing I want, who do I want to be there? Who do I think is going to be there? Who do I think is going to bring me there and be there with me? And so that was that was really great insight. So I think there's merit to the practice of visualization. Um, I, it's something that if I was required to do it again, I guess I'd do it again. But it, um, I don't know. It was one of those things that was really hard for me. Not surprising based on how my brain works, but... Yeah, I wouldn't call it hard. It just didn't. It didn't seem like high value. Yeah, I I, I felt like if I could have been better off doing more cardio or doing some more reading or something like that. But it's okay. I mean, it's, it's one of the things you got to do, so you do it. You know. Yeah. So, um, conversely, um, the worst thing about this entire thing, five minute cold shower, and when he says cold shower, he means really cold, and um. I'm not even, I don't even know how to articulate it well, but it's just the worst. I hate it. I hate it so much. I got super mad about it. Um, <laughs> the first time I did it, I just thought there's surely no way that I'm going to endure five minutes of this, but, um, but I did. And so like most hard things in my life, I, I had to find a way to make it not suck so bad. So what I did is I made a Dolly Parton playlist <laughs> And I put on my favorite Dolly Parton music and I sang and danced in the cold water to Dolly Parton for five minutes and I had fun with it. And it's kind of, kind of, uh, symbolic of how I deal with really crappy things is I find a way to dance and sing and be silly and make it funny and fun. And I even Instagrammed some of my cold showers, um, I was in a bathing suit, so calm down, but, um, just to make it fun and to be like, here, this is how terrible it is. And, um, and as soon as five minutes was over, I shut that thing off or turned it on nice and warm. Um, sometimes I would get my body really, really hot before I turned it on cold. Cause there's no rule against that. And, um, and I, and I did it, I made it through and Randy has a little bit of a different approach because he's Randy. <laughs> so yeah, so um, I guess, yeah, for me, it was uh, – I wanted to make it as miserable as possible <laughs> because I felt like – well, there's there's some people that have some sayings that say do something that sucks every day. That way you kind of have this certain level of um, tolerance for discomfort, you know. Um, so, yeah, the first two or three days of the cold showers, like you don't know where you're – your, your threshold is, you know, so you get in and you, and you just let you go, holy crap. Like this is, you're just shivering. It's like, you just like your mind. It's like your mind. You just like your mind is telling you to get out of the dang shower the whole, the whole time, you know, and you, and, and the intent also was to make it as cold as you can tolerate. Right. So I'd get in and you start inching it colder and colder and colder and you kind of get used to it. So then you go, once you're used to it, as soon as it didn't, as soon as it wasn't uncomfortable, I had a rule where I had to bump it colder again. So it had to stay uncomfortable the whole time. And so 
the first few days, man, that was awful. Just, oh, just awful. Especially because it's like February, right? So you get done with your outside workout, which is in the teens or 20s, and now you're going to come in and take a cold shower. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's just, just awful. Awful, right? But then after a while, I was like, you know, let's see how cold you can go, right? <laughs> and so then I got to the point where from the very beginning, my goal was to get it to where the water was as cold as it would go at the very beginning. So you get in, it'd be like lukewarm, and then I'd bring it to cold. And I actually had, like, I was like, to make sure I wasn't being complacent, I'd actually put a thermometer in the water to make sure. He really did. Yeah, I wanted to make sure. Because I, I was, what, what made me start doing that was that I was so surprised by how much colder the water was in Minnesota than Kentucky on the weekends. And so it was like 52 degrees, 50 degree water. Oh my gosh. It was horrible. Because when I say horrible, people say, oh, okay, you know, stop being a weenie. No, I mean, like, if I let it hit me in the head continuously, it felt like, um, you know, like eating ice cream too fast. Yeah. And so it was actually physically painful. So I had to alternate. So I had to basically, I had a rule where I would have to make it go on my head until it was unbearable. And then I'd go to my body. And my body, my chest maybe just has more fat or it just wasn't quite as bad. And as soon as my head thawed out and the ice cream headache went away, I had to go back and put my head underneath the water again. Yeah. So, so there was that. This, this cold shower, great, this shower thing's a serious thing. So then it evolved into because I because uh, Kristen, she uh, accuses me of procrastinating and slow playing things a little you bit. Do. Well, yeah. Well, it's it's legit. And so now I made a rule. Now, okay, you must put the shower on cold and you must step into it. You can't do any ramp up. And mm -hmm. so. I did that for a while, but then the shock was so violent that I almost slipped and hurt myself in the shower. So then I made a new rule where you turn the spigot on cold, you get in, and then you turn, you pull a little, little like plunger up and it blasts you cold from the very beginning. So it's just these things that make it harder and harder. So people might think it's weird, but it was good to um, kind of make you stop procrastinating against things that are horrible. <laughs> and horrible and really how bad's a cold shower it's pretty bad well it's pretty i mean but really it's a first world problem you know so no i think it's a third world problem it's, i think there's <laughs> cold showers in third world countries which is why people want to leave oh uh, but anyways it was a good it was a good discipline test for me to step into a cold shower with no ramp up when's the last time you had a warm shower rand it's um february it's, 9th the yeah, day before phase one it's july 12th so even after phase one was over randy still takes cold showers and i have instagrammed many times what it sounds like to be outside of the shower, outside of the room, in a different part of the house, because you can hear him squealing and grunting and cursing <laughs> under the cold water. So it's legit. I mean, and then he'll come and just touch me with his cold arm and his whole body is cold. So, you know, I go in there and dance with Dolly Parton and just endure a chilly shower and he makes it a barbaric, heinous experience. And um, <laughs> he is a better man and I will let him have that title. Yep. When I gave up gluten and sugar for the most part, the hardest thing has been getting used to not having baked goods as treats. But I found Smart Baking Company. And what's awesome about Smart Baking Company is they make gluten-free, sugar-free treats, but they're also low-calorie. It's not uncommon to find a gluten-free treat that's very high in calories, but you can eat two of Smart Baking Company's delicious lemon, raspberry, chocolate, or cinnamon cupcakes, two of them for only 76 calories. They're magicians there at Smart Baking Company. All their products are certified gluten-free through the National Celiac Association. They have zero net carbs, and the sweeteners that they use are monk fruit and erythritol. So you can feel good about eating these knowing they're not going to ruin your gut, they're not going to trip you up in the pursuit of your goals, and they're going to be that delicious treat that you've been missing out on. If you'd like to order, they have free shipping for some of their bundles. They ship right to your door. You put them in your freezer and then thaw them on your counter when you're ready to eat them for about half an hour and they stay nice and fresh for you. So you can find them online at smartbakingco.com. And if you want a discount, you can use my code destination underscore begin for 10% off every time you order. So the last item on the list is actually uh, three items on the list. You have to do power list items. So a power list item 
Andy Priscilla talks a lot about having a power list, which I highly recommend. Basically, every day you get up and you write down three critical tasks, three things you have to get done that day. And it can be different every day, and um, it should be different every day, basically. But um, you make the list early in the morning, and you make sure that those things get done. So it's on top of all the other stuff you have to do, you have to do three critical tasks. And this was really powerful for me. Um, many days I simply made it the things I needed to do at work. Sometimes I made it a physical goal, like making sure I got my ab workout in. Every day one of my critical tasks was to study Spanish, which um, I've been doing with the Duolingo app, which I really, really like. Um, but other times it was really the thing that got me pushing and working on my business more because I have this business. I also have a full-time day job and it's really easy for me to get so busy with the day job um, to just forget about my personal passion projects and my clients and building my business. And so having the critical tasks be part of this, um, they don't have to be big things. They don't have to be large projects. Just simply pushing the ball forward a little bit in some way was really what I focused on. And so I think in phase one, I made the most progress in building my business and during any other period of time thus far, because every day I picked up and worked on something related to my business, whether it was developing logos or working on my website or sending client emails out or circling back with clients or holding seminars. It was really, really powerful for me. So the critical task, um, component is something that I've really tried to stick with um, as much as possible. And it's, it's really been powerful in my productivity for sure. Yeah, for me, it was um, having to step up my language um, practice. Also, we both do Japanese she, and she has Spanish. Um, but I was getting a little complacent after 75 hard on my Japanese studying. So I had a certain um, amount of lessons I had to do as a requirement every day. Um, I got complacent on doing my abs. So that was another one. In addition to your workouts that had to be done every day. And yeah, you only had an eight pack for a while instead of a 12 pack. It was real sad. Got a little complacent, you know, <laughs> and so you got to tighten it up. And then it was another one too, as, as trivial as it sounds, but I was getting complacent on flossing. So that was, I must floss every day and not be complacent on that. Oh, that's right. I did that too. I didn't do it as a critical task, but I did do it every day on, on phase one. Yeah, I forgot just, about that. Just one of those things you get complacent with sometimes, I guess. Flossing know? is so stupid. I hate it. Well, did you know that per capita in the United States, they only sell three inches of dental floss a year per, per capita. capita. That oh. means that on average people are flossing less than once a year. So like people floss every day, but that basically just means there's so many people who never floss. That's insane. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was a sidebar. Um, you should floss. <laughs> all right. What else do we have here? So that was it. That was our, that was all, that was all the requirements yep. of phase one. I'm tired. Yeah. So, but see, after doing 75 hard, in my opinion, the, the phases, okay. If there were no other weird factors, the phases are. I hate to say easy. They don't grind as hard. Sunday of hard was tough. Well, it was around more than twice as long. Yeah, I'll say around day 40 or 50, it got tough. But since these are only 30 days. Was they, it 250% longer? Is that the math? 75 days, 30? Yeah. I can't do math in my yeah. head. but Well, yeah. yeah. It's two and a half times. Yeah, so I would say in general they, they, they aren't as bad. But like there were certain aspects. Like I said, the, the cold shower, that was that was rough for a while until you kind of, until your mind is right and you know, you're not going to die in five yeah. minutes, you know? So totally. And it's, um, the reason why 75 hard is the boot camp to live hard is because once you've endured 75 hard, I mean, you really learn like 30 days. I can do anything for 30 days. Cause I did that for 75. Yep. So you don't have as many grind days. I know on 75 hard day, 50 to 60 was just absolute night. It was a it nightmare. Was, it was bad. Yep. So you never, I don't know. I never got the burnout. Um, the hard part about the phase one ending was the gyms here shut down with Corona um, quarantines right at the end. Randy was done about 10 days before I was done, but um, I actually moved and um, came up here to quarantine and then all the gyms shut down. So the last few days 
of phase one, there was no option for an indoor workout except doing it at home. So that kind of stunk. Um, but other than that, it was just kind of a matter of checking the box. I really feel like phase one was very uninspired. Um, I was expecting more of a spiritual experience like 75 hard, but really it just got the discipline back in check. It added some more challenges and, you know, mm -hmm. put our brains kind of back yep. in the game. And after you're done with phase one, you have to wait 30 days till you can start phase two. So that gives you time to really assimilate all these new habits into your daily life. And so for us, it was very much like, all right, we have 30 days. I don't really want to go backwards in anything. And so it was kind of like, well, we're done, but we're going to be doing phase two here pretty soon. So mm -hmm. really nothing changes. We had that bottle of wine and yeah. that's really, that's the only thing we've done the really thing that we did. I think I made cinnamon rolls once or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So phase two, we waited our 30 days and we started phase two, um, mid April. And here's the kicker with phase two. Phase two is just 75 hard all over again, but for 30 days. So the cold shower goes away, visualization goes away, power list items go away off the requirement list. But we had this caveat of being under lockdown and there was no gyms. And so during our 30 days not doing phase one or phase two, um, we weren't just going to not work out. And so we had to really try to figure out, okay, how are we going to get workouts in? How are we going to stay active and not lose our minds? <laughs> because we knew phase two was coming and because we are just people who cannot handle not working out. Mm -hmm. So the challenge of phase two was not having a gym to go to, not having all the equipment that you'd ever want for the best workout that you would ever want. And, uh, and for me, no group fitness, which I live for group fitness. And so in the other parts of this challenge, one of my workouts every day was typically an F45 hit workout with my friends. And then I did the other one on my own. And that was just completely gone. So here we are with a workout requirement of 90 minutes a day. One of them has to be outside and we have nothing and nowhere to go. Yeah. So basically like within 24 hours of the gym being shut down, we built a, built a pull up bar and dip bar and plyometric box and just, just bare bones, fundamental stuff for to at least do something. I think we had what, like a kettlebell. Yeah. yeah I was able to like, I had a bunch of fitness stuff that was kind of scattered around at people's mm -hmm. houses. I collected all that. Mm -hmm. So we had the heaviest set of dumbbells. We had our twenties at a 25 or 45 pound kettlebell, mm -hmm. a bar, a couple plates. So we have more than some people had. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. But all set up in the garage, yep. you know, 30 to 40 degrees outside uh, 20, in the garage, 20 degrees, 20 degrees sometimes. Yeah. So we're out there lifting weights. Our fingers are numb. You can see our breath. Yeah, it should have been easy, like relative. I would say relatively easy, but man, like talk about what a pain. Like, I mean, because yeah. all the steel is just like literally below freezing. Yeah, and it's awful. You're like practically injure yourself pulling stuff. You know, when you first start out, it's be what four o'clock in the morning, or we'd be in the evening. It's cold, really cold, and you're in the garage. I don't know, unheated garage. I don't know. It was, it was not fun. It, it really irritated me. It made me very angry. Yeah. We were both really, <laughs> so. really crabby. Um, you know, everything changed really quick with Corona. It just, everything shut down. He came off the road. So instead of traveling five days a week, he was just home, which up until the quarantine, when you bought, when he bought this house, you had not, you've spent more time in this house now in the past two months than you did in the years owning it before. Cause yeah, you were always glad. I do field work. Yeah. So all of a sudden he's home. Like working at a desk. Oh, geez. Yeah, sitting at a yeah. desk. Um, I don't mind working from home. I was pretty stoked, actually, to have to work from home and not commute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not mad. Hope I can do that forever. Um, but just the total routine being off. Mm -hmm. um, these checklist items that we need to do, only people we're seeing are each other. Um, so it's solidarity and just it's it was tough. It was a mental toughness challenge that otherwise would not have been there if we were not under lockdown for sure. Yeah. It was yep. tough. And then of course you want to eat your feelings, but you're on your strict diet, which was probably really good. No, it saved us. I think cause I, I don't know. I might've, I wouldn't say fallen apart, but I probably would have lost some discipline. Yeah. If it wasn't for phase two, keeping us in check. Well, so and then the, good. the spring was kind of late. Like I remember Easter, we were walking and it had snowed and rained and it was icy and covered in snow on our walk on Easter Sunday morning. Yeah. What, what, what is coat. this? Yeah. 
This is a bunch of crap. Yeah. So yeah. that's really the thing is like the, you know, that's why this program is so valuable because it prepares you to show up even when life throws you uncontrollable crap. Mm-hmm. And phase two was just a pile of uncontrollable crap. And we had to get up and do our list and show up for ourselves anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'll say some days we were doing bare minimum because it was, but you still, you still did it though. Yeah. You still did it. No style yeah, points. No, <laughs> there's no, there's no excuses. No. You know? And, and I think if we had started 75 hard during phase two or that period of time, anybody who was starting it, I mean, I don't know that I would have even tried to, during, during to do it. Yeah. It was just that oh, hard. Yeah. So, um, but we were motivated to get phase two done so that we could do phase three, which we're currently in phase three. So we'll do a wrap up episode of phase three in the whole program, um, here pretty soon. But, um, we talked a lot about how phase two was like the phase that almost broke us and it had nothing to do with the requirements and everything to do with just life. It was the circumstances. Yes. Yeah. But that's the thing is it's the shortest, the least, the least items, Yeah. but it was miserable. It was really hard. <laughs> Not to talk you out of doing it, but it was challenging for us due to the circumstances. Yeah. Well, and just managing for me personally, I would wake up and just be so upset and frustrated and listless because I get energy from other people. And I, especially with working out, my whole philosophy about working out is that you need to have fun and working out is the side effect. So for me, that's group fitness. That's showing up to see my friends and the workout is the side effect. And that is what lights me up. And having that taken away was just hard for me. And then all of my typical coping mechanisms for life were gone. I mean, when I get stressed or I get emotional, I work out or I see my friends or I have coffee with my friends um, or I go outside and do something or something active. And all of a sudden it's A, cold, B, snowy, C, everything is closed. All of my friends are far away. I can't see them anyway and I can't work out. So I just had... I had some really dark moments of, I don't know how to soothe myself right now. And I had to get very honest with myself to say, you know what? The gyms could never open again and you could never see any of your friends again. What are you going to do? Are you going to be miserable? Are you going to decide to find a way to be happy in and of yourself no matter what? Because you have no idea when life is going to go back to how it was and it may never. And so you have to decide. And I had to get really, really hard on myself and honest with myself and say, you know what? I'm going to find a way to just be happy and enjoy my days, even if nothing ever friggin' changes. And that was the turning point for me. And I wouldn't have gotten to that without phase two, just basically keeping me in the mud, keeping me in the grind. So it was really powerful for my emotional state and my outlook for sure. So now we are on phase three. And uh, we've only been on it a little while. Phase three is um, a lot of stuff. We have to talk to a stranger every day. We have to have um, perform a random act of kindness every day. We're back to taking cold showers. Um, yes. We're back to power list items. And um, what else? It's basically phase one minus visualization and adding random act of kindness and talking to a stranger. Yeah. So I've been talking to a lot of strangers, which I don't find hard. It's more, um, it's more difficult to run into them. Like I don't always find yes. strangers on my bike ride today. I actually stopped so I could talk to people about their dog. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the opportunity, not so much the, the act. Yeah. I don't find talking to strangers hard, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah. People at the gym that want to talk to you, they're working out, you know, or whatever, you know? Yeah. And random act of kindness today, I was going to, I was at Starbucks and somebody paid for me in the drive-thru and I'm like, man, that's the opposite. Does that mean I have to do two because someone just did one to me? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, and then some days Randy steals my stranger and there's no rule that we have to have different strangers to talk to, but sometimes he tries to steal the stranger I'm going to talk to and that's not very nice. Sorry. Be faster. (laughs) But yeah, but we'll talk about phase three when this is done. Yeah. We're circle back. And talk about that. But if you're considering the Live Hard program or 75 Hard, um, you should do it. Um, Andy Frisella just actually wrote a book about 75 Hard that is available through his website. So if it's not sold out again 
Um, it's a great resource. Um, I imagine I haven't read it. You can always just listen to my podcast about 75 hard and, um, and learn there. And then of course, follow the hashtag 75 hard on Instagram and, um, follow Andy Frisella and you'll kind of know all the things, but if you're considering, don't let all of this scare you off. Um, it's hard, but it's worth it. I would say hard things is what makes life, uh, the most, the most enjoyable, the most fruitful gets you the things you really want. Yeah. I wouldn't change anything. Me either. Thanks so much, Randy, for being with me on the podcast today. You're welcome. It's a pleasure as always. I get a lot more feedback about Randy than me. So I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about this episode too. So send me your feedback, uh, Kristen at destinationbegin.com. You can always find me on Instagram destination underscore begin. And also check out my website, destinationbegin.com. Are you sensing a trend here? Um, There's all kinds of information. My story is there. Information about my coaching services is there. A lot of great things that I'm real proud of at destinationbegin.com. I hope you'll join me for our next episode about Live Hard. We'll be doing a recap on phase three, and I would love to include answers to your questions. So send your questions in as well. Do you love this podcast? Please consider sharing it with a friend. Please consider posting it on your social media or linking it on your Facebook. The podcasting world is huge and it's really hard for this podcast to make it into the hands of more people outside of my personal social circle. So please share it. Please share it with someone that you know has never heard of me or this podcast and it would really mean a lot to me. You can reach out to me directly too on Instagram, destination underscore begin. You can also email me, Kristen, at destinationbegin.com. And I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear show ideas. I'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts and follow-up questions. It's really fun to interact with all of you here in podcast world.